Welcome to the Iowa Idea Podcast. Join host Matt Arnold for in-depth conversations with artists, designers, entrepreneurs, and civic leaders as he explores how they approach their craft and represent a modern version of the Iowa Idea. This podcast tells the stories of Iowa natives, transplants, and friends who demonstrate the Iowa Idea in the 21st century. What has been will always be. Welcome to this episode of the Iowa Idea Podcast, where I'm joined by Dan Klein. Dan is a wonderful human. He teaches information architecture at the University of Michigan School of Information. He is co-founder of World Information Architecture Day, past president of the Information Architecture Institute, and is a founding member of the teaching faculty at Building Beauty. In 2011, he co-founded The Understanding Group, also known as TUG, with Bob Royce, and has worked as an information architect for 23 years. He is currently enjoying a sabbatical year, writing the biography of Richard Saul Werman. Dan shares his deep curiosity about the architecture of information and the role it plays in supporting human well-being in keynote presentations, workshops, and architecture walks. Klein's writings have appeared in the Journal of Information Architecture, the Bulletin of American Society for Information Science and Technology, and in the edited volumes Reframing Information Architecture and Advances in Information Architecture. In this episode, Dan and I dig into his family's connection to Iowa, the spatiality of meaning, we nerd out a little bit on James Joyce, I appreciated Dan's framing of understanding, getting under the standing, and how exploration, parallax, and vulnerability can help us understand. If the world of information architecture sounds interesting to you, check out IAC 21. This year's conference will take place in April and will be completely online. And you get $25 off your registration using the code IOIDEA. It was an honor having Dan join me on the show. Thanks to Dan for his time and insights and his quest to help us all understand. I hope you enjoy the episode. Dan, thanks so much for joining me on the Iowa Idea podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Uh, if you don't mind for the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, thank you, Matt. I would be happy to. And uh, part of my eagerness to talk with you today uh, is because Iowa, when I was a child growing up in uh, West Michigan here, where I uh, still live today, I would be brought by my uh, parents to Iowa a couple times a year to uh, commune with the other Kleins who were all uh, Dutch Calvinist farmer types. And uh, there's a couple of little pods of them, uh, West Michigan here being one of them and Pella, Iowa uh, being another. So uh, driving through uh, Iowa City a couple times a year, every year for 16, 17 years, uh, got to love Iowa. And uh, looking through the phone book and seeing all those, all those clients, it, it felt so, uh, so powerful. So uh, thank you for inviting me to uh, the Iowa uh, 
uh, centric conversation here today. <laughs> I hope we only talk about things that have to do with Iowa. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, 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 we're putting those deep constraints on this conversation. People that jumped in because there's so many interesting things about Dan Klein that they want to talk about, and only to find out we'll be talking about uh, commodity this prices is... of corn and, and pork belly. Well, and and the the thing where my people in Iowa live is a couple of things. It's tractors. Um, it's uh, Vermeer uh, tractors. It's Pella windows. Uh, lots of my folk have worked in the factory there. So, uh, yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, stick around for uh, triple pane, for an offer on triple pane windows. Uh, yeah. And uh, I also am a uh, co-founder of a company called The Understanding Group here in Michigan. Uh, we've got a couple of folk um, who aren't in Michigan, but we're headquartered in Michigan. We do information architecture, consulting, training, uh, ideating, um, Lots of gerunds involved in what we do at the Understanding Group. And uh, I've been interested in information architecture uh, well before I knew it had that name. And uh, increasingly, I am okay with it not having that name. Um, you could call it making the complex clear. You could call it... Uh, I call it, uh, you would never want to call it this, Matt. People would look at you uh, like you, there was something wrong with you. Spatiality of meaning. Excellent. And, that, and that's something that I've been interested in since I was, as long as I can remember, is the way that the, the places that information shows up. Um, and then as I've, as I've grown up a little bit, uh, the way things show up as well. But it started out really with this uh, fascination with information and moving information, uh, titles for movies, and wondering about why it, it, poetry, there were lots of ways that words in space were affecting me that I was noticing, even though I was not an intellectual uh, kid in a farm town here in West Michigan, but I was tickled. I felt, uh, I felt something when words moved uh, or when space and words were happening in a way that was uh, beyond the uh, quotidian uh, paragraphs of everyday uh, encounter. So uh, poetry, printing, bookmaking, um, all that stuff is, is fascinating to me. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, just jumping back on the, uh, the Iowa thread for a second. Yes. yes. <laughs> Did you ever get to experience the Tulip Festival in Pella? You know, no, because my dad uh, is a school teacher. Uh, is, I mean, he's still, you always are. He's a million years old and he taught <laughs> high school for a thousand years. And no, we could only go when school teachers can go. And the Tulip Festival in Pella um, is different and sequentially a little bit before because you aren't as far north as us. So your growing season uh, is a little bit different than ours. So yours is always like a week and a half or more. They've, they've messed. They Everything's ruined now, uh, Matt. But back when, <laughs> back when this mattered to me, I always yeah. wanted to go to the Tulip Festival in Pella. But alas, uh, we were in school, 
they would let us out of school for our tulip festival in West Michigan and the clomp and dancers and the uh, dressing up and the washing the streets and all of that terrific Dutch expat culture um, that the contemporary Dutch in the Netherlands wouldn't recognize, but that doesn't matter. Um, it's still lovely. And no. So that's a long way of saying, no, I am still kind of a sore about it that I've not been to. Well, Dan, will we get to the uh, other side of the pandemic? Get out here, bring, bring your, bring your BMX bike, uh, oh. race, race it through the parade. You know, <laughs> with a victorious be... arm pumping the hallway. It would be, it would be great, but I've uh, tried to learn from, uh, uh, I, your listeners can't see the stack of bankers boxes behind me, but I am an uh, uh, ersatz archivist because I am a erstwhile biographer and I have boxes and boxes and boxes of the still the possessions of Richard Saul Werman that I am the custodian of. And so I'm uh, constantly rooting around in these uh, in these archives trying to find lessons to apply. And one of the lessons from Richard more than once is, uh, and it's not uniquely his, is the whole, you can't go back. You can never that. go back, right? You can't go back to that, right? And so yeah. I had such great experiences with my BMX bike in Ella when I was little that, uh, I don't know. And and the other thing, sadly, uh, you, you heard me enthusing about the phone book and the clients. Uh, we're a dying breed. Um, that was a wave. My dad had uh, 11 siblings, uh, 10 of whom all stayed in Iowa. And uh, they've, you know, they've gone the way of all things, uh, as we all do. So uh, yeah. the, the, the diluteness of the Kleinness in Pella is, probably would bum me out. So so I'll only just, I'll go there in memory uh, anytime. But uh, I would love to come to Iowa City, though, because that's a place that was uh, – uh, uh, unknown and uh, a little bit uh, off limits to us. Yeah, no, would uh, would would love to have you here. And again, when thing when things get back again, uh, a plug for a festival that we have called Mission Creek, which uh, is a celebration of art, music, and literature. Uh, and it's it's usually roughly a week, uh, typically the first week in April. But we have it's it's so well curated and musicians, authors. And just so many other like interesting discussions, but it's it's just a wonderful celebration of uh, of art that it it's it's when I love to show off my my hometown. Well, that's precisely the kinds of things that my people would uh, be against, and, uh, <laughs> and and so I am eager to go check them out. The only reason my people go to Iowa City is to die because of the hospital there. <laughs> right, right. Um, otherwise, no, you don't go there. There's you know. There's a uh, book learning over there and not the right kind of books. So uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the spacey, help me again, the spatiality? Space, uh, think of, think of uh, Dana Carvey's character. Uh, isn't that special? Uh, spatiality. Spatiality, uh, yes. And, and it's, it's Werman. It's, it's the, he said it, uh, the creative organization of information creates new information and and that's attached to his theory of latch which is the five uh first ways that you can try to organize information not the only ways although 
although they hold up uh it's it's hard to i don't know uh but the five are location and uh he likes to make things sticky so uh there were er a, a couple earlier iterations of this but the sort of the weaponized version is uh latch so the unlock right uh, the spatial to unlock the spatiality of meaning you use the latch which is location uh alphabet time category and hierarchy that if you take if you've got a hundred dogs if you've got a thousand books if you've got a million uh uh from Jira, you can know something more than you knew before you can understand something more than you knew before you can create entities that didn't exist before through the magic of the permutational uh, play of latch, and 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 just as a and again, uh, I'm holding the term information architecture so loose right now. It, it, yeah. it just it, it just flips away. Same thing with latch. Like uh, we don't. I don't want to argue about it. All I'll say is, doesn't everybody want five initial ways to to work through? I mean, we know that we need to be iterative, that there's nothing good ever comes from a big bang. It has to be a development process. That's why we call it development uh, software, is at least in the domain I'm more familiar with. Uh, so yeah, so to develop something well, you need to uh, take it through steps. And my gosh, the spatiality of meaning, The if we were to array our product or service like X, it would be so different than if we were to array it like Y. And uh, one of the most vivid examples of that that I've been uh, made aware of uh, through my students at the University of Michigan is how different TikTok and Instagram are and how that is totally about the situatedness of information in space, the situatedness of people in space. There's show things of the situatedness of content in space uh, but most powerfully there's the way that the algorithm takes the category the categorical thing from latch and so rather than the instagram way of what is the most evil combination completely opaque to users that we could use to squeeze a dollar out of this thing tiktok is like no what is the most the thisness of this What's its what's its next door and what's its most next door neighbor and next door next 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 door and just like the, oh my god Matt I had to delete that thing because <laughs> the situatedness of the information in that space is something that I just absolutely plowed into with Glee and Instagram I've got this hater uh, holding my nose kind of oh that's terrible um, but yeah I'm uh <laughs> beguiled by this other way of organizing stuff in space. Yeah, I um from a design perspective too, just what you're saying, I just love the notions of and and I'm I won't I won't even claim to call it understanding, but uh the the meaning that that might be evoked from even like different perspectives, right? Just mm -hmm. and and just just even what could be minor tweaks in in a perspective or uh, sometimes I talk to my students and my design teams about parallax right is like it just um, 
It doesn't mean we have the exact understanding of it, but we can get better understanding by starting to even like triangulate. What does it look like if we do this? What does it look like? Or what does it mean if we call it this? Right? And, and even just those, those thought experiments I find really interesting. I do want to dig in a little bit, a uh, few different topics here, but obviously uh, Wormin is a big one for me. I, uh, I love uh, what you're doing with, uh, you know, in pursuing Wormin's book. I know that we are also fans of James Joyce. Uh, and I do have to say, it feels like you might be on a Joycean timeline for uh, yeah. a Wormin bio. Is that, is that uh, a fair statement? Um, it's a fair statement, although the compositional pressures and uh, the way that uh, Ulysses uh, was episodes that then were sort of exposed on an ongoing basis, um, not so much that. Right, right. Um, but from, uh, will it be 700 pages and kind of a doorstop and, uh, uh, and a decade yeah, and a half yes. in the making. And a decade and a half of the making, yes. Impenetrable, I hope not. And uh, right. and then that's the that's the lie. That's the big lie about Ulysses. It's it's impenetrability. It is a fucking excuse my French riot. <laughs> and when you said the word parallax, I expect that's something that you took as a reader from the experience of reading Ulysses was the way that Joyce. Uh, as a modernist who didn't want to just do what had already been done in a fairly capable way by other Irish writers in the, you know, English tradition, uh, let alone English ones. Yeah. I uh, adored Oscar Wilde, who is my uh, literary first love. So uh, I really connected with the writer Joyce in my uh, exposure to that book, Ulysses, and its damned way of coming into the world, just how hard it was for it to become a thing in the world. Okay. And uh, and yeah, parallax that today's reader needs to see the situation in a rotational way that discloses to the participants their own disclosedness as well as the provisionalness of where they are standing and how that limits and changes what they're able to understand. And that word understanding, put a little stick figure in your head and then where's the problem? And if we're talking about understanding, I know where your stick figure is. Talk about the spatiality of meaning. You can't not put that in your brain TV and put the dude above the question mark. It's understanding. There's a physical, uh, in, in my conversation with Simon Norris on uh, World IA Day, uh, he detected and uh, sort of drew out of me the, the way that, what is that? That means being brought low um, oftentimes. In order to understand, uh, you may have to be on your hands and knees and that is typically not a posture of power or of uh, one that we respect. But to get under something and see how it works, why, the because whys, when you can get under something and uh, back to Werman's uh, bag of tricks, yeah, uh, his weaponized bag of sticky uh, acronyms, another one of his things is innovation is a nose. So the nose on your face, a nose. 
and the O of a nose is opposite. And that, again, is a spatial strategy. How do you understand something? Well, you flip it over. Um, Nils Bohr said that the opposite of a profound truth, the opposite of a, of a fact is a falsehood, so that's bad. Yeah. But the opposite of a profound truth is also true. Uh, which is too bad that Bohr didn't practice what he preached. Uh, his ostrac ostracizing of uh, David Bohm will be looked at as shame in the history of um, Yeah, the idea of understanding of opposites as a way to spatially change the game and as a vantage point, uh, you need a couple. Architects always have three, section elevation plan. Um, so how do you look at something from three points of view all the time? Dan, I I love that, and and uh, that is a, that's a new perspective uh, for me. Uh, but it it's making so much sense. And uh, unfortunately, uh, for for our listeners and, and many of the people that have to put up with me, I'm much more of an extroverted thinker. So it's I I kind of think out here as I'm trying to make sense. But as I heard that. <clears throat> Both your your imagery of a stick figure, right, and the question mark is underneath. It's under the standing, and mm -hmm. uh, the different perspectives one might take. And one of the things that I I was hearing or projecting was the notion of vulnerability and mm -hmm. the relationship to 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 learning, especially because a lot of the space I play in is uh, collaborative sense making, especially when we're dealing with the complex. Mm -hmm. And so I just love here that is. One of the, I think the most mature things leaders today can do is say, I don't know, <laughs> I, but let's find out, right? Rather than this declarative, like that's been solved, it's been solved for centuries, right? Like, I, and fairly new to, to my world was I became fascinated with a book called The Half-Life of uh, Facts. <laughs> have, you, have you read that? I've, uh, you, this is the second time I've heard it referred to, uh, in like the last year, I would say. So now back to triangulation yeah. and uh, parallax. Now I'm going to have to. So one of the, yeah. And I, I actually used last year in a world IADA talk on sense making. I, I talked about how uh, even when it comes to, to science or hard science, right. That we think of um, sometimes we think of fact as locked down and, and over time, my mind has been more, this is the best way we can understand or describe it to date, right? Given the limitations of human cognition, our language, our tools for understanding, this is the best we can do right now, which is actually one of the things I love about science is let's continue to tear away at this. And like, almost like an art student, it's a material. How well does it hold up? And if we keep beating on it, what happens? But, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll take the real broad strokes from the beginning, but it was basically at one time, it was a fact that the earth was the center of the universe. It was a fact that the earth was flat, right? And so all of these ideas have a shelf life to them, essentially, right? And it's almost like carbon date. It, it's, there's a decay. It's already dying, right? Even, even though it, it might have just emerged. And I mean, not to get into kind of a Hout Castle and environs kind of sort of a shore and bend of bay, but I mean, these, these things are ongoing, right? And... And we only dip in at certain points, but like the, the optimist, you know, this all sounds pessimistic, I'm sure to people, but the optimist in me is like, how cool is that? 
everything hasn't been discovered. That's what I try to do, like with in, innovation students. It's sometimes it's like, oh, well, I guess all the cool apps are already built. <laughs> One, why are you limiting yourself to apps? But no, there, there's a whole world ahead of us. So uh, anyway, sorry, I'm just getting off track. No, no, and I hope you're framing. Well, no, and I hope your uh, I hope your listeners are accustomed to your uh, subtle uh, references. That, uh, uh, swerve of shore to bend of bay reference, uh, gentle listener, that you heard Matt <laughs> earlier. That is from Finnegan's Wake, which is a book that starts uh, that that we that you are thrown into, and as a uh, um, as a demonstration of uh, Heideggerian phenomenology, the idea that uh, this the, the the lie of subjects and objects, the what thin gruel a world of subjects and objects is, and it's only when we get taken out of flow and something is wrong that we have to subsist at that uh, crappy level of subjects and objects, and that what's really going on is we're thrown into a world, and this world has significance. And the significance is uh, uh, one of the ways that the significance is happening is the situatedness of all of the things relative to all the other things. And so just like you opened Finnegan's Wake and what the hell is this? Who is Shem and Sean and Shem the pen? And, and it loops and, and you can just throw yourself into that. I remember when I was an undergraduate at the University of Michigan, I had the I had a teacher who who lit me up uh, with Joyce. I, I never would have got here if it wasn't for uh, Leo McNamara. And uh, I wanted to do an independent study because I'd taken all of the things, uh, some of them twice. And uh, and I proposed reading Finnegan's Wake sequentially from the start. And he was like, well, why would you do that? Um, so, so, yeah, <laughs> there's this, this, this thing that's happening that uh, is already there and there's an attitude of how all the things sort of want to be and we can sort of jump into that and play that is not uh negative or uh debbie downer that is uh that's a celebration that's uh play they, and one of the things i'm i'm really interested to another thread just on, on what you said that i want to tug on a little bit uh, get a tug uh-huh. oh i'm here you, for you it. don't get those puns very often do you no no i'm here for all of them <laughs> So, uh, but the, um, the notion of being thrown into something and so, and, and part of this like uh, mental model adjacency is then we were talking about Finnegan's Wake. So then I was thinking about Joseph Campbell's uh, uh, skeleton key to Finnegan's Wake. So then I was thinking about Joseph Campbell, but one of his descriptions of life that I loved, it, it's as if you walked into a movie theater, the movie's already started. Uh and it would be rude to talk to other people to catch up on what had happened. And unfortunately you have to leave before you see the movie, the movies end. And I just, there's something about that too, that I find beautiful. And uh, I just feel like you said like that getting tossed right in the middle, right? Cause it's your mm-hmm. mid sentence and right. The, the overar, it's like, yeah, all these different wheels and gears and Finnegan's wake. But the, the big one is it's not until you get to the last page that you realize that's the first half of the sentence that the book started with. Yes, uh, Richard Saul Werman's second book on Liu Kang uh, was called What Will Be Has Always Been, um, which is a quote of Khan. It sounds like the Bible, but it's it's, yeah. uh, it's not in there that, that I've been able to see. Um, the idea that we are, uh, 
I was just reading this today, trying to explain this uh, Heideggerian uh, craft myself, um, and wrote down what truth means is not so much a correspondence as it is a, its closure. And so uh, we don't get to like, I mean, correspondence, Cartesianism, throw, throw a grid over the world and compare grid square A7 with square B7, and then, hey, what's going on with B6? And, and then eventually, yeah, you'll, you'll uh, thingize the whole world, but there are, uh, there's a whole lot that isn't captured by that. And, uh, and the, the temerity that some of us have to yeah. call ourselves experienced designers, um, pew, um, people are thrown into these experiences, these products, um, and yeah, how are we going to, how do people who have our interests, who are nerds about language, who care about uh, people's ability to skillfully cope with whatever it is that our thing that we're making is supposed to, its significance is supposed to be. Yeah, there's a whole lot in this seemingly obtuse uh, philosophical literary critical we could open it up into editorial and bibliographical theory as well but this is all information architecture friends welcome you're soaking in it um <laughs> anytime that we are wringing our hands and clutching our pearls and uh putting a foot in the you know drawing a line in the sand with our toe uh about this and not that or this because that all of those because whys that have a consequence of then, well, then this goes here and this goes there. Um, all of that is the world of information architecture. It, and to be uh, reduced to a $250 uh, Google uh, <laughs> uh, trade school course on UX, uh, if, right. that's, if that's where the credential for user experience is going, well, then that's an even crappier word than information architecture. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, th Dan, thanks. Um, so also the, uh, the uh, spatiality of meaning, when we were talking about that and um, an image that came to mind was uh, kind of in, in the matrix uh, a little bit too, when, when Neo is seeing the code for what it is. Uh, I, both, both from uh, you know, thinking about special effects 20 years ago, thinking about the presentation and kind of as a film nerd, but then also the, the different things that, fascinate me right from almost like cultural anthropology and linguistics and symbol systems. And it was, I thought that was such a beautiful, beautiful display yeah. right in the, in the movie. And I was just kind of curious about, uh, uh, because you would, you would, you would even said moving titles, right. As a mm -hmm. kid seeing those and, and did that scene grab you at all? Did you find anything special in it or, Oh, or was Matt, it too? Was my, it no, was oh, it too Matt, pedestrian? My team, no, Matt. My team uh, are so sick of hearing about the Matrix. Like it's everyone is sick of uh, my my kids or my wife will come downstairs and look at what's on the. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, how many times do you need to watch this movie? Um, especially for somebody my age who was uh, raised on Star Wars. Um, yeah, it helps explain a lot of things. And uh, uh, I'm unhappy that one of the analogies from that film, we won't even say it because yeah. of algorithmic ways that, that 
that your world would be connected to that world. But uh, yeah, it, 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 it can be used for any, for a lot of, lot of reasons, harmful and, and good. And I think that that bullet time, uh, the, both the bullet time thing and also the, not so much the cascade of characters, but the, or even the way that they were sort of wrapped around the silhouettes. It wasn't so much that that got to me. It was the super, it was the hyper reality of once Neo understood how to, I mean, it's such a build, right? Like the, <laughs> the hyper reality of the construct and the, the infinite mercantile of things without context. Um, and that that is a training way to think about uh, existence. Um, it's just one of the ways to think about it, and it's got this use. Um, but then there are additionally uh, further ways to think about it. And uh, yeah, I, I love almost everything about that movie. And and the connection between uh, motion typography and the the ideas of information architecture, at least the ones that flow from Richard Saul Werman, which are not ideas of librarianship, but ideas of Richard as an architect. Um, yeah, yeah. Space, the spatiality of meaning. Um, part of the work that I've done on, on Richard's biography has necessitated um, talking with the pioneers of motion typography. And one of those is Bobby Greenberg, the founding partner of the agency called RGA. And, uh, and to go back and look at Ted, uh, Ted was a conference that one guy did um, in 1984. That was awfully strange that it didn't have the imprimatur of an organization or a foundation or, uh, or anything. It was, no, there's somebody who's interested in the convergence of technology, entertainment, and design. And uh, this is three days in Monterey to talk about that. Um, that that uh, so at the second TED and from the second TED forward, the meeting, as Richard would sometimes call it, uh, this gathering, had movie titles to introduce the different sections of the meeting that Bobby Greenberg did, and 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 I asked him about the, like it, what is that? Is that ornament? Is that decoration? Is it like no, that's that's experience design. That was, um, and to think about who the audience of those early TEDs, it was this uh, fairly odd, uh, not only was it odd to have Northern and Southern California colliding there, um, there was SIGGRAPH, the computer graphics people, they were always yeah, in LA, yeah. but this was, North, this was up in Monterey and it was the LA people and the Silicon Valley people. And this is the part that made it different, all these, nerds from MIT and all these East Coast intellectuals all there in Monterey. And so the idea of uh, virtual reality uh, flying through information, Muriel Cooper and uh, David Small demonstrated UIs that we still don't have anything nearly as good as. Uh, I just I was talking with a, a, one, of the, one of Richard's partners from the a job that they did to redesign the Pacific Bell Yellow Pages in 1989. And at TED2, uh, this guy, Ted West, is demoing Yelp in 1990. He's like, 
they saw that, oh my God, we're like a direct consumer information company. How great is that? You want to go out to dinner? We're in Monterey. Where the fuck is this? We, there's nothing to do in this crappy little town. Oh, there's an Italian restaurant. Oh, are they open? Oh, did they pay for a video ad in 1990? Right, um, right. Yeah, so this idea of, of uh, how is motion typography information architecture? Uh, well, the, 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 the first, the, the, the because why is like, well, Ed was an architecture of information about the convergence of technology, entertainment, and design, the getting these people together in an audience and, and as people on stage. And then just a couple of steps back from that is Werman as an architect talking about the architecture of information, talking about making the city observable, talking about how public information, the public environment, he did a conference, not a conference, an exhibition called The City Over Two. So it was like the word city and then a line and then the number two. Yeah. And then, and that was about how half of the built environment at least in 1960, uh, 1970, rather, sorry. Uh, in 1970, if you lived in Philadelphia, it was a legitimate way to look at the built environment. Like the Noli map of Rome shows all the white space on the Noli map of Rome shows how many places you can just walk as a person in Rome and how that is a public amenity, uh, uh, millions of square feet of walkable space. So Richard applied that kind of visualizing the urban environment to, hey, half of the city belongs to you, member of the public. Shouldn't it be a little bit more self-disclosing about the performance of anything that's happening in it, like transportation, like systems, like uh, how do you get anywhere? Like, uh, yeah. And so all of that thinking about the structure of information in an urban space as an environment then put that aside the structure of information in a in a in a meeting room uh the structure of these ideas colliding and then all these other people who are there are like okay so i can do this too what is the what if we make the words fly around and what if we have to invent technologies uh in order to and are we how are we doing it? are we cutting them out are we uh yeah it's fascinating That's that this is all in 19 19- 84 was the first TED and then 1990 was the second one. No, that's great. Thanks. Uh, it's interesting too, because as you were, as you were talking about, like in my mind, then seeing more like uh, cityscapes and, and moving, moving through and the information that surrounds us. And just because it's surrounded, right. Doesn't mean there's meaning. Yep. Right. But um, cause I've also for a long time have been just, uh, fascinated in general, just with the notion of wayfinding, right? And wayfinding systems and how you can evoke uh, meaning from familiar patterns. And then if you have to violate those, is, is, is a system you're creating learnable? And I think yeah. one of the things is designer, my, my design friends, uh, it's like, love what we do, but also seem to be plagued by seeing these things. And, and so, also, just I'm curious for you, like walking around a new environment, uh, do you, like, <laughs> is it delightful? Like, oh, this is new, oh, or is God. it like infuriating because like, no, like oh, bad God. wayfinding, bad uh, kind of information cues? No, it's it's. Uh, so I used to I used to be away all the time. I realized after COVID, um, I was always platinum or worse on Delta, and uh, would always 
do what I could to do a side trip to wherever I was going in order to see buildings and to marvel at the built environment. I've been doing that for, for 10 years, ever since learning about the architecture part of information and how it, at least this one set of traditions come right out of somebody working as an architect in the built environment. So it's joy and it's, it's preposterous because I give architecture walks in cities that I've never been to. And the participants on these walks are often locals who are just like, my God, how do you see? It's like, well, because I don't live here. It's A, because I don't live here. But B, it's, uh, and, and and keep in mind, anytime that I say something that sounds good, it's probably something that Richard said. I'm, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so, in, I'm, I can't not. And uh, one of the things that he says is seeing what you've always seen, but never seen. And he thought that the city was a schoolhouse and, and everything that you wanted to learn, if you could learn to, to look at the built environment, uh, to boost its legibility, to uh, make it understandable and self-revealing uh, through information and other uh, ways of, of ordering it, but that's, that's the best kind of learning. That's visceral understanding. And that trumps all other, that's like down on your knees. You feel it in your knees and on your hands. Yeah. The, the texture of the like close your eyes listener you're trying to understand something what's the texture of the of the is it grass is it dirt when you're crawling under this thing to know it like all of that is part of 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 knowing and uh and yeah he uh he he's come up with some pretty terrific ways to uh to get to to, to get us there Oh, that's, that's great. Uh, yeah. And as you were describing, I was thinking, I was just thinking about one of my favorite places to just pause and observe, and it's not a peaceful environment, but uh, around Michigan Avenue in Chicago at Millennium Park, mm -hmm. because you can actually sit back and look at the buildings on the other side. And yeah. when you basically look at the second and third stories and this gorgeous detail that is in the building, but when you're walking it's out of sight and also you, there's no way you want to stop on a sidewalk, right. And look up, but being able to sit across the street and take in blocks of this beautiful design to me is really something special. It's that's, that's one of the best, that's one of the best places to walk and look at, uh, and have a sore neck and, uh, and to look at buildings. Yeah. The, the information architecture summit, uh, God rest it. I think it, the last one actually was in Chicago. And uh, what? Well, yes, as the summit, that was the last one. Yeah, and Resmini, Andreas Resmini, and I. Um, uh, we, he is as he's been working on the spatiality of meaning longer than almost anyone. Else. And uh, uh, he 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 uh, lets me uh, stand on his shoulders and see what he sees. And uh, yeah, we did an architecture walk in Chicago. And a big part of it was the, where can you stand back to vantage points and parallax views? Where can you stand in order to talk about the thing that would be interesting to talk about? And with the Louis Sullivan building, which was our uh, focus for that walk, it was like, I want my face against it. I want to be like here because of all of the texture on the outsides of some of these buildings. So yeah, it's a, uh, the, the again back to the creating experiences and the the opportunity to not have it be such a flatness 
Yeah. And and the opportunity for it to be to not such a thrown into itness, uh, to have it not be so abrupt. There's a there's a couple of steps that you could walk into an experience of the Chicago skyline. And uh, I could take you the same number of steps from a different origin and end to the same spot. And, uh, oh, God, it would be terrible. Um, the difference could, could be profound. And the, back to what you said about uh, um, signage and environmental graphics and uh, wayfinding. Yeah. That world has not been connected to the world that uh, does screen-based stuff as much or as well as it ought to or could have been or should have been. But my gosh, my sense is that it has to be like a minute or two from now when the environmental graphics game and the wayfinding as a Yelp slash Google Maps slash whatever uh, once the UI is is an overlay in our glasses, once it's uh, pervasive computing is already here, pervasive sensing is already yeah. here. So all we need, and it's already you know, it's just 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 minutes from now in 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 historical time, the the difference between the interface and the place uh, collapses, and that's why um, somebody who I think you're also uh, going to talk to or have talked to. Uh, Abby Covert. Yes. The, we're working on the, we both have a focus on teaching in our uh, immediate futures, uh, yeah. different, different trajectories, but that's a lot of our focus and explaining information architecture to people is uh, really important uh, for us as a proof that it's even a, right, right? Like if we can't talk about it and teach it to people and can't see them, use it then what is we're wasting our time we need to do something different so it's really exciting to develop frameworks and ways of uh seeing and thinking and then working on them with students and uh one of the things that we're working on that i hope we're not too late with because uh, the world is is about to be there is that information architecture has to be developed and uh approached as the combination of sense making and place making, that it always it always has. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The the dictionary is not the thesaurus is not the phone book, but it could be. Um, so, what kind of a place is this? Then drives what kind of sense uh, ought to be made? What is appropriate? Um, and so, the the complementary aspects of place making and sense making as a fundament to the things that people who work on um, information-rich products and services. Neither of us feels like we've yet or uh, uh, please, if it's out there, please direct us to it. But no, our, no, our sense is, yeah. is that it would be good to, to have one of those uh, ASAP and that to test it with learners and to make sure that it's not just us up in our own because that's a fun thing to do. Um, but part of the importance of this is the the brain in a jar sense makingness of it all. We're over indexed on that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the world of you are not your user, and the world of big and quantitative proving, validating of design before it launch ships and stuff like that. World is important. And back to the 
uh, beginning of our conversation about what it, what even what are what even are we are we talking about? <laughs> it's 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 a it's a duality, as Alan Watts likes to say. It's 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 wick, it's prickles and goo, and so there's this prickly world of sense making, the the bossy finger of like no, that doesn't go there, and we have so many rich uh, empirical methods in order to. Uh, do that and one of the unintended consequences of that is those methods have been tailorized to the point of here's my second reference to it of google being able to offer a 250 dollar three second long course in making yeah. you a ux designer and not so only a the, ux designer a ux expert oh god yes let's let's <laughs> please and then but, and then if you pay 250 more you get the thought leader module oh is that all it's just jack in <laughs> All right. So on the, the sense making and wayfinding front too. So this is this has been an area of deep interest uh, of mine for a long, but on the collaborative side of how we get to shared meet, right? Like we're even, it's hard enough, like how do we as an individual understand things, but then add more actors and more variables into it. But then it also offers more opportunities for sharing and learning, right? Learning from each other or kind of more as a, uh, I don't know, like a, a, a flock of birds, a swarm of bees, we can all react to each and start to learn too as a, a, another object. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm really big on things, it challenges for uh, just collectives of groups, whether it's for-profit, non-profit, but how do we collaboratively sense make and how do we yes. collaboratively find our way? And 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 we've had some, some people have already done a lot of, work to get us there and again my sense it's pro you know i'd love to be corrected but my sense is that it's over indexed on the sense making e brain in a jar kind of way but uh, people like dennis schleicher and others who have taught uh body storming as a technique for uh co-design with uh with with whoever uh yeah. And opening it up to maybe even the client uh, or the, the, you know, the customer or whoever, that there is a way to use um, the whole sensorium of our bodies and our embodiment to uh, give people permission to use feeling as a equally valid uh, set of um, criteria to do co-design and to do good work. And so the, the reciproc, the reciprocity of yeah. the, the brain in a jar and the body in the world um, is something we're trying to, uh, that Abby and I are trying to so that, figure out that, pedagogically. Yeah, that's great. Um, what, and one of the things that to me kind of through, through a mental model and my own filters and lenses is uh, when, when I did my master's, work it was on uh, uh computer augmented group decision making and group decision support systems and how do people use technology where what's enabled what is what gets in the way right when those things like, hey we have this we, we have this data tool you should use it right well how is it is it does it really help uh but one of my uh theoretical frameworks was uh stealing from uh giddens and structuration theory and I don't know if you're familiar with Giddens' work. I am not. This, because some of what I'm hearing, uh, Giddens' work might be complementary. So uh, what's interesting is he's, 
I don't know if he still does. At one time, he ran London School of Economics, but really coming at this, I think, from a, a very humanistic side. Uh, but it's it's basically this duality that that we're participating in. I mean, sometimes I'm thinking about, and because we've been talking so much about architecture, like kind of the the Winston Churchill quote about we we build these environments and then they build up or we shape them and they yep. shape us. Yep. But structuration is about these structures that we create and they kind of reinforce and the, the plus side on it, right, is it be, if we know it, understand it, we can move a little faster. But then there's almost opportunity cost to what that structure created, like these possibilities that have fallen by the wayside. And so we, what I was looking at is the relationship between uh, – and these are all charged terms, right? That that didn't that that I felt like I absolutely knew what I was doing when I was 23 years old operationalizing these things. But yeah, looking back, it's really cute that oh, that's how I thought about that. But right, it's like, what do we mean by a group decision? <laughs> what do we mean by this process? Because we have to have a target for the inf- if, if 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 the technology is going to help, we have to know what it's supposed to help with, and you know, but. Once we've already said the way we make a decision is through a vo- is through voting technology, right? And and is it assigning points? Is it thumbs up, thumbs down? But it was just all these structures then, for better or worse, start to reinforce each other. And and how do we get back to getting outside of it a little bit? But structuration theory uh, might be might be an area to investigate. Yeah, well, uh, it sounds like it might be related uh, again to that. Uh prickles and goo Mm -hmm. Um, yeah that the structures are the prickles and that we need this offset of the the goo uh it's amorphous but it's not shapeless um yeah yeah that's it's funny because thinking thinking about some of those things i had a professor that told that uh we were talking about this was related to uh symbolic convergence theory and how symbol systems can bring us together or drive us apart and how at one level humans are all their their own thing yet then certain cues seem to make everybody react the same way and one of his arguments was the the most bored and drug-addled people in the entertainment industry were the lighting and sound crews that at every show when they all right, I flip this light on and everybody's going to go crazy. And, but they do it for so many different bands. So they realize it's not just the song or this anthem from, from a band and how it's almost like uh, the romantic nature of life is, is being sucked from them when they see groups of yes. people react. Well, that's, that's fascinating. I've, uh, and to know that, that there's a name, um, it reminds me of there's a terrific documentary so terrific in fact that it transformed me from a hater to a just i just love uh this band now and i used to hate them uh it's the grateful dead and there's a documentary called long strange trip yeah and there is an interview with jerry garcia where uh and uh i talked about this i got to give a talk at a conference in London and uh, the title of the talk was ripe axioms. And the advice was that we need to discard some of our axioms that are overripe. And uh, one of them was uh, you are not your user. And uh, to justify this, I use the grateful dead and uh, Jerry Garcia's observation that uh, we know how to make the audience 
do whatever we want them to do. And so, and this is now a paraphrase, or all this is a paraphrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, the way that they go about being the Grateful Dead is to make sure that they do not use that power. And when they do, that they don't abuse it. And so one of the techniques that Jerry used in order to, to create that environment was by constantly trying to fool the other musicians into that he was, they were about to go into a certain next song and then on a dime going into another one because he didn't want to be the leader. Another, another thing from this, this documentary that made me sad is that think about how uh, Jerry Garcia didn't have a Grateful Dead. Um, some somebody to do that for him as as an audience member. Yeah. But that the the opportunity for chance and for it to really go wrong, because they really have never played it the same way twice, is just uh, extraordinary to me. And as experienced designers, again, it's like there's all this cognitive science, all this neuro design trickery that we know works that's been weaponized against us uh, in so many ways uh there's a playfulness back to uh, uh the strategy of playfulness to yeah. uh, push back against the things that aren't so great in uh other parts of the world to say yeah i'm uh, i'm going to use the the joy of trickery and tomfoolery in order to make sure that we're not going to fall into uh fall into patterns that aren't uh that don't help us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. So, so that part of what you're hearing when I like a lot of thankfulness, right. From kind of improv training is, is, is being, th there are so many new ideas that you present. And I have to say that maybe it was because I hung out with the skateboarders and the, the BMX, our, our music was not jam band. It was, and no, so it was precise. It was new order. <laughs> Right. It was it was the perfect kiss. It was temptation. It was uh, it certainly was not come here. Uncle John's. How about go fuck yourself and oh, yeah. Uncle John's band? Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah. And no. Then, and this music has such beauty. Um, yeah. I've heard. A hundred different renditions of some of my favorite songs. I might even cry just thinking about how. Just the exploration, just the the dedication to to humanity, to not make a product, to to be open, right? To be open, and it doesn't work. Some nights they they weren't on, and they did a lot of things wrong, uh, especially yeah. in the in the drugs uh, department. Um, right. But man, uh, to be open like that, and so back to facilitation, and back to co-design and what kinds of designers and, and, and collaborators are we when we show up? Um, certainly don't do that to your team. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're about to do post-it note rodeo. Nope, we're gonna do body start. Like, no, um, the analogy doesn't hold in that way. Right. But to be open, to, to help people with the gooey part, not just the, because you can put on a freaking balls. Um, when I first met Abby Covert, she was a, a experience planner at a big agency in Chicago, and she could put on a fucking show. Just like, here's all the sweet shit you guys could never have come up with. And 
that's what that's one way to do it but she and i've learned so much from from her um increasingly i think as you prefer mature in your trade uh it becomes less and less about the sweet shit that only you could do and more of the oh look what you no no you no no increasingly you're inviting other people to yeah. do and uh, and then and then you find ways to keep them so finding ways for people to be open um and facilitating more than uh dictating and uh one uh, uh affiliated strategy to the the grateful dead strategy for facilitators that i read about is from the architect charles moore who uh they were taking on the design of a church and the whole church community, like all of the members were stakeholders, all of them. So they had these giant uh, sessions, discovery sessions, ultimately. And the medium that uh, Charles Moore uh, came up with for the different each table to use to try to create a Right, because that's one of the things we have to do is we need a we need a boundary object. We need to make something in real time with other people that then helps everybody understand. Uh, he used kale and would keep it really cold right up until giving it to the people, and then yeah, you can rip up this kale right because it's got the structury parts and then it's got the frilly parts. And the best part is that it will fall. It's gonna wilt. So whatever bullshit you're you're making, it's just a whip, right? Um, and OmniGraffle is kale. Um, Excel is kale. Um, it, it feels like the temples of Karnak because it's right, right? It's like, no, I have a file. No, you don't. Yeah, and that, so to the degree that you couldn't, uh, my own practice of the embrace of chalkboards and physical media, just to like make sure that it's kale uh when i'm in as much as it, that's 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 my takeaway um what was this episode about why did we talk together today matt it's, it's, to, it's to give everyone this this gift of, yeah like, it's all kale it's alive it's really like uh you should google uh margaret workheim and the work that she's done with uh radical mathematics uh hyperbolic paraboloids that are described how do you describe kale in math? You can't unless you study. Uh, traditionally, it's women's uh, needlework uh, can make these shapes. So yeah, kale. Um, so, one of my everything that we do is kale. Uh, hold it loosely; it's gonna wilt. Uh, do something else tomorrow. Uh, some more refrigerated, some colder kale, and then start over again. So as we start to bring some of these these threads <laughs> together, because uh, I'm sure the pattern of the conversation has been clear to the listener the whole time, but to tie it all together, uh, I hope you appreciate uh, a good a good friend of mine, uh, who uh, I think I think highly of uh, his work in structuring information and data when we've worked together, and he actually he's the one that introduced me to Wormen's work and. Uh, I guess one of his dinner specialties is a kale salad, and he tells you that you have to massage the kale before yeah. you make the salad. <laughs> and he has a, he has, I mean, he's very righteous about his technique. And this is somebody that when you talk, he's usually caustic about things, but you get him to talk about a kale salad, all of a sudden he's how, how you need it's to embrace so good. 
It's so good. And and when you think about the poor kale and the way that it is sending out those antioxidants to defend itself against the ripping of the I'm I'm less of a kale massager than a kale ripper. I rip off the silly bits and then I I such a wasteful first worlder I throw away the, the hard bits usually. But uh yeah, the kale. And your friend, uh, how did your friend know about Richard? Because surprisingly, uh, for for somebody who coined information architecture and all that, uh, not every, not most people even know about Richard, right? It's yeah. So this would be, this is a great question. So uh, my friend Bo, he um, he's always been on kind of a research and business and information kind of so, but he he's also um he's also taken uh publishing courses so i you know it's like i don't know was it was it you yeah, know was it access door, guides but, was it ted right 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 was it other conferences like the eg conference that richard yeah. invented uh or the biff the business innovation forum conference that richard helped run the first couple of years in uh yeah this is weird because i just uh just yesterday i had a uh i had a uh a really interesting conversation with saul from from biff oh no way <laughs> yeah did you ask him about richard i did not oh my gosh there's a video of richard uh rearranging the letters on the stage as his talk it's it's so did he change it to it, fib he changed it to fib to talk about how it, how all effective communication depends on exaggeration, including this one. This yes. Conversation. Um, so yeah, he made it be fib and then he made it be if to ask a question and that a good question is worth more than a brilliant answer. Um, and I think he maybe used the F to say fuck because he likes to swear. Um. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, Dan, before we go, uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks again so much for the, it, it. It's such a pleasure to, to talk with you and, and dig in on all of these, these areas. One of the things I do like to do at the end of every episode is talk about the notion of advice and it mm -hmm. can take, it takes different, like, you know, for me, it might've been, uh, something maybe a wise elder said to me when I was a kid, but I, I was too much of a know-it-all to really, it just sounded funny. And then years later, you, you continue to unpack it, realize there was a, there was a, there was a very elegant uh, information payload in what they, they had given me. Uh, and then others are just, you know, things that people have given me over time, advice from, you know, managers. But I'm curious from your perspective, uh, either good, good advice you've received or good advice you wish you would have received uh, in your career? Bitcoin. Should have bought some, whatever that is. Plastics. <laughs> uh, no, it's not, it's nothing of that nature at all. Uh, that's, uh, I like the question. Um, I, No, I, I don't think I'd, I don't, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to change anything. That's how privileged and lucky I am. Uh, there are so many tiny little, could have been of this, could have been of that. Um, and something that I've seen in my research. So I've been working on Richard Saul Wurman's biography for 10 years. 
I'm now sabbaticalized to the point where I ought to be able to get the first volume, two volumes, uh, three books per volume, five chapters per book. So it's endless because it's his life, right? Yeah. Um, biography. Um, so I've, I've, I've watched a lot of what, uh, what happened, what could have happened, things that didn't happen. I've got a dummy of a cookbook that he did with Martha Stewart that almost came out, but then didn't because she went to jail. Um, I've got a, an access guide to the Museum of Modern Art that never came out that was totally done. And there's this dummy that's like all pasted together. It's like, it's like everything. New director didn't want to do it. It was all, it was just all they had to do is pay for a printing. Nope. Um, so I've seen lots of coulda, shoulda, and the universe is redundant. Uh, uh, Richard's method is a cobweb. As many, the strength of loose ties, loose and strong ties, as many little filaments out in every direction as possible. So the advice would be is be as shameless as possible, although I've been shameless the whole way of putting little filaments onto stuff and not worrying about uh, uh, cause and effect. Uh, it's the cobweb. It's not any one... Uh, filament and then the it's so humbling to see the universe's redundancy um i've recently if you if anybody follows me on twitter uh mc richards a radical potter poet who taught at black mountain college uh among other things that she did um she is the wisest person I have ever known. I, she died before I ever read her books, but I feel like I'm getting to know her. I read every morning. And all of the things that I love, like all in the work of Christopher Alexander, Lou Kahn, um, most, but not all, because I know so much about Richard, um, but so many of these essential things that I've gotten the easy way through white guys, and hegemonic power and privilege. Um, it's not the only way to get it. And uh, MC Richards knows everything that I have ever needed to know and more. So, uh, so if there was some sort of weird, uh, if I had to change, you know, maybe I would have given myself her before reifying so many white dudes, so many powerful white dudes. Uh, my own path trying to be a powerful white dude. Like that's not the only way. Um, that has been a way for me to, to pleasure myself with information and learning and it's ridiculous and it's uh, shameless and also fairly shameful. Uh, but at the same time, what, what is this allowed me to see all these bankers boxes full of Richard shit? Yeah. Is yeah. that if he didn't go to architecture school and get these ideas from Lou Kahn, he was going to go to black mountain college. And MC Richards was uh, at Black Mountain as a poet and was the head of the, to the extent that they could have a head of anything there in the radical weirdness. She ran the faculty for a while and then quit because it was stupid and crazy and dumb. Can't have no rules. Um, but she came back as a student and she was there as a pottery student when Richard would have been there as a painter. And I swear it would have happened. Yeah. Um, these ideas that we need, we need them badly. Um, 
collapse of, of ecosystems, collapse of the information ecosystem we've already seen. Um, so to just the humbling beauty of what do I see in all these piles and boxes and box, like it's redundant, it's okay. Uh, if you don't do thing you think you need, you know, if you can't be the best designer, if you can't solve the problem, if you get kale, right? Like, um, it's all gonna, and again, easy for me to say uh, from the comfort of my basement here. But uh, I have evidence uh, in the boxes here that there is a redundant structure of how knowledge is promiscuous, how ideas want to uh, get together, in Richard's words, how nouns want to kiss. And uh, they're going to do it. Uh, like teenagers, they're going to do it anyway. So you might as well get out of the way. <laughs> oh, Dan, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I look forward to a post-pandemic uh, reality where we can uh, gather so in person Iowa. and maybe work, uh, walk around and do a, a, an architecture tour. Oh, God, that would be so, I would love that so much. I would get to learn so much about your city by uh, taking <laughs> you and some people around it looking at you. Okay.